Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. I'm really excited to share the stage with Ala Fadin, the wonderful superstar CEO, chairman of Tilfaz 11. Richard Fitzgerald, CEO of Augustus Media. Of course, you all know Love in Dubai. How can you miss it? Love in Saudi and Smashy TV right out there. Um, and I'm just going to really just jump right into it because the numbers are, are kind of uh, mind-boggling. In the heart of the pandemic, as an art house cinema operator, you know, we were watching in awe and shock and fear when the famous magical number of 1.1 billion subscriber base of the VOD platforms was a complete game changer, an increase of 26% from the previous year. And it meant the, the, you know, all, the, all the terror, all the horror for art house cinemas, this will be the end, we're going to shut down cinemas all over the world. And here we are. Let's look at what it's like in the Middle East today. Uh, we'll start with some numbers. According to uh, the latest report by Digital TV Research published last year, SVOD revenues for 20 countries in the Middle East grew by $2.3 billion between 2021 and 2027, reaching a total of $4 billion. Netflix will generate half $1.9 billion of MENA's $4 billion SVOD revenues by 2027. Second place, Disney Plus, which has come into the market this year, will be a long way behind with $589 million. And Mina will have 36.7 million SVOD subscriptions by 2027. That's 10% of the Mina population, with Netflix accounting for over 30% of this. Disney Plus will grow to 6.5 million subscribers by then. And the regional players, Stars Play, will have 2.9 million. And Shahid VIP will follow with 1.3 million. So, those are huge numbers. What's your take on this complete shift in the way that we're watching content? Please, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Yeah, I think, you know, there was just an NFT talk before, and with Web3, people talk a lot about pattern recognition. People talk a lot about, you know, what happened when the dot-com crashed and social networks came up, and people try and explain NFTs and, and Web3 in, this is like it was when it was the start of the internet and things like that, but, and that's the narrative. That's what a lot of people are talking about, but with what you, what you mentioned, those statistics, if you, the pattern recognition there is what happened when cable came in. And cable came into the US in the late 80s. Uh, NBC Middle East Broadcasting is a 1985 uh, entity out of London, so that's Pan-Arab cable, right? And you know, that, that's the pattern recognition there. And you know, two brothers set up ESPN, Entertainment Sports News Network, in 1978. And someone asked them how many cable subscribers will be in the US by the end of the 80s. And they didn't know. They were backed by uh, the Gettys. And they were, they, they, no one knew. And they, they, they left the company. But they thought maybe a million. There was 80 million pay, pay, uh, pay cable subscribers by the end of the 80s. So I think we're going through a similar shift. And it has, it's not, uh, you know, it has so many different elements to it. You know, from a cinema Achille point of view, uh, in terms of art house and 
windows and the theatrical windows and things like that from a production point of view, from a distribution point of view, um, and also you know with Smashy from a, from a, a brand creation and uh, technology point of view, there's a whole shift. There's a shift in consumer devices. There's smart TV mm -hmm. penetration numbers as well that we could talk about. Um, there's ad, right? there's there. ad tech, and yeah. there, there's so many there's so many different things. When when a new economy is being created, the the you know there isn't a name for this. There's a name for the creator economy or Web3. There's no real well, the name is streaming, right? And there's, you know, the, Reed Hastings says that everything on the internet will be streamed. Like this channel flicking won't happen, it'll be app flicking. So I think that's what we're in the middle of. Uh, pandemic accelerated, but it, it's, it's fascinating what's happening in this space, which is great to be talking about. Right. Ada, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, we all know um, it was headed that way already, right? With content and consumption online, um, streaming. Of course, um, uh, the pandemic accelerated it. It's all about behavior and uh, uh, and consumer behavior. So that's why we're seeing that you know how how the the rapid growth, um, the boost and and subscription, the uh, these really uh, um, optimistic kind of uh, predictions with the with the with the growth and the, and the viewership, um, and it's all it's all leading towards like a, a very very strong and very a big industry, especially in kind of uh, the production, the production side of it, just because of um, how we see like the streamers and uh, other um, streaming companies are actually interested in the market. Mm -hmm. They're actually seeing the growth, um, and um, it's definitely how uh, the behavior is actually kind of making that shift happen towards that area. I'm going to pick up on that because we just saw the release of the first uh, Arabic language feature film produced by Netflix come out uh, last month, Perfect Strangers, a remake of Perfetti Conosute, which is a, an Italian film. It was made in di five different countries, and this was the first Arab remake of it, starring Monazaki and right. uh, George Chabaz. Everybody heard about it. You heard the scandals, Monazaki's underwear, all that stuff, right? <laughs> so... Is this sort of a, you know, a, 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 a sort of a silver lining, a kind of a beacon of great things to come for Arab content on those on the streaming platforms, or is this an anomaly that's just you know a hype and excitement moment and will die down in terms of potential for content coming out of the region, investment in content coming out of the region? No, absolutely. It's uh, it's just a glimpse of what to come, um, and especially in the region, and 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 specifically for Saudi, I think, because um, Saudi, f um, I think it's really a black box for the for the rest of the world. Um, so far, like what people know about Saudi, and maybe kind of a little generally about the region, is what they see in the media, is what they see in in, uh, in Hollywood films. But there are so many different and amazing like stories that are that are very specific to the area that could be told, but they have very universal appeal, but they're very specific. The little nuances of culture in Saudi that, were, that will be very interesting for the rest of the world to see. And I think people haven't seen that yet coming out from Saudi. So um, I think there's gonna be a huge interest uh, from content that's coming, uh, that's gonna come out from here. Um, there is, you know, we, we're still not seeing, you know, the, um, the kind of interest in that content. There, people are still going to uh, uh, foreign films or American films or Hollywood mm -hmm. films. Uh, but I think it's because they haven't seen great content. And, and, and th that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, uh, films and, and, and shows, they're just a glimpse of what's, what's to come, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree, and I think maybe Telfast have a you know you're making movies for Netflix, and Netflix have that ability, like you described, of perfect strangers to create that talkability. Somehow that's what they do, right? They're, they're that global studio, and people end up talking about shows on Netflix. So, but. Um, I don't know if it's a tipping point. I think it's part of a narrative, right? If we look back, um, Shahid has spent a billion dollars, which is nothing in the when we hear of the global numbers of how much. Um, you know, I think Netflix are between 17 and 20 billion a year. Shahid, up until you know, up until say 2020, they'd spend a billion dollars of content uh, in 10 years, right? So. Uh, it, so there, there's a kind of a swell that's coming up and there is a lot more content. Like I personally, when I moved to the region 10 years ago, I couldn't watch Arabic content. And now all I watch is Arabic shows with subtitles for the last four or five years. And, that, and there's a change. Four or five years ago, I could only watch, say, Al Haiba or a few others. And now, now there's too much and I don't know how to pick. But uh, do really you watch them because you're, you're working in the region and you're interested in the region or is it because the entertainment value has changed? So, uh, no, well, I, look, personally, I would prefer the shows that are good in Arabic, like Rashash or, or, or these shows, they're actually not the best ones to learn from in Arabic, right? Like the ones with more dialogue, like the Lebanese soap shows or say uh, Finding Ola, or th these ones are easier to, for me to learn from. Um, but yeah, so I'm just interested, I just personally, it's a consumer choice of what content I would consume, but uh, it's a narrative, it's an anecdote around the, what's happening in production, right? And, uh, you know, I don't, don't know if it's a tipping point, but there's definitely more and more investment into this type of content. Do you think that we're seeing a shift in the way that we view Arabic? I mean, Perfect Strangers is a sort of, you know, case study of a transition from your kind of commercial big screen, you know, uh, Egyptian or, you know, Lebanese films that, you know, that are made for a big box office hit. And you have your independents that do the film circuit, the stuff that we show in our single screen cinema. And then there's this, you know, middle ground that Perfect Strangers was sort of able to hit uh, with the kind of stuff they were talking about, with the actors, with even stylistically. What are the interesting opportunities creatively that you can do now with specifically working with streamers? What kind of windows do they allow that perhaps the conventional studio model, the conventional even free to air model um, didn't allow you to do? So I can, you know, um, speak from our experience with, with the streamers um, and, you know, streamers kind of like Netflix, um, I think they're, they're very smart in how they're kind of approaching coming into, coming into the region and they're actually kind of choosing the right partners to kind of partner with um, just to make sure. Well, they sure. chose you, so. Well, you know, <laughs> you know we're one of them, I guess. Uh, but we, we kind of see the pattern of who they're, they're trying to work with and um, their, um, their, their, their strategy is, you know, Let's go to the people who actually can speak to that culture and you know, who can tell stories from that culture. And we'll kind of enable them with our experience of you know, the storytelling and the technicalities of actually filmmaking and the production uh, stuff. But, it, but, but how they're really thinking about it is like we need to, um, in Arabic, they say, so like, you know, just go to the people who are actually living these stories and let them tell these stories. Um, the film you talked about is, is, is an example, but it's a little different because it's already it's an Italian movie. It's, it's already kind of established. It has its following. It already you know, got its success, so we know, that, you know they kind of adapted it to Arabic. I think what's going what's gonna to happen now, you're going to see a lot more stories actually coming from this region, new stories 
stories coming out from this region. Um, fantastic stories that, like I said, um, the world hasn't seen yet. So they're giving that opportunity to them. For us, they're they're making they're doing different different models. So we're like, okay, we can we can kind of fund the whole production for you guys, or we'll just uh, help the world see the productions that you know that license it from you. Um, Which is what you is. did with the Eight Windows in the Desert, right? Right. So Eight Windows in the Desert, we had a bunch of uh, short films that went won a, won a couple of awards, a few awards in festivals. We just had them in the drawer. When they came up, you showed like, them at Cinema Aqil and we showed it. Yeah, yeah, Cinema Aqil was ahead of everybody. Um, <laughs> they showed it and they kind of recognized it. And we said, hey, we, we kind of showcase these these like separate um, independent short films, which you know, some of them won, won awards. And they're like, great, let's do it, let's take it. And we put it on. We kind of packaged it and we put it on uh, on a platform as a, as like a just. Six windows of the desert. There's six films from Saudi, um, and it it made a huge difference with them. Um, yeah, so then they came back and they were like, "Okay, let's kind of work work together on how how we can, you know, make make future films." And we had that you know a big um, eight picture um, deal with them. So that's I think the you know that kind of attention is helping production companies, storytellers to kind of tell stories from the region. I want to yeah. talk about how you're placing your bets. I mean, you guys are setting up your own technology, your dashboards. You uh, recently tapped Festus Nimbus to run your uh, live streaming for Smashy TV 24-7. You guys are working with the big VOD giants. How are you placing your bets? Where do you think the future is? Well, I think just to echo what Allah said around, I think that Windows in the Desert is a perfect answer to your question in terms of the formats, right? Like, um, I was fascinated to see how that, that show that was big on Netflix maybe 18 months ago, The Queen's Gambit, mm -hmm. you know, then the story behind why that was never a movie, even though he tried to make it as a movie for 20 years, but it, it just would lose the story and that a seven-part series worked. And I think we're seeing that now in the Arab world, you know, um, it would be really interesting to see what happens in a month's time in, in Ramadan to see what are the formats, how do they sustain that story over 30 episodes and, and things like that. I think, the, the, and to answer the question, one of our bets is that streaming is different to linear programming and um, formats are unconstrained. Like I'm super fascinated with what's happening on Twitch because it's, for me, it's not gaming. It's that unconstrained live stream. You know, we might think of Joe Rogan in that in that format of that two hours or whatever. But you know, it's unconstrained. Like we, you know, the history of TV. You look at uh, the Tonight Show was 11:30, and why did that happen? Mm. Is because the TV in the 50s used to just shut at 11, so they put a live thing on and used to break tables and chairs in the middle of it. But they thought no one was up, so no one watches. And then and then it evolved from that. And for 60 years it became the time slot but and now what what I think what I fear is happening is the likes of CNN plus and others are trying to put technology first and go how do we move from a capex to an opex model how do we move away from um, production on-prem to production in a cloud and I think that's the answer but that's only the that's only the distribution answer. That is a answer. That's to get all the content that was happening elsewhere in amazing studios around the world onto streaming. That's one part of the, the puzzle. The other part is the programming. And, you know, um, I've been trying to find producers in the region who, who see this and want to explore and want to test because I think that's where you'll find the answer and I, I don't know if that's the same in, in premium storytelling but for us we're in a non-scripted space mm -hmm. and we can do documentaries and we can do other things but we're staying in a non-scripted space just to put some 
restraint around what we can do, but really we're trying to figure out that, that new type of live streaming, whether it's sports or shows and things like that in an unconstrained way. And we're placing our bets in streaming, like in, in live linear streaming, you know, some other stats, 10% of the, uh, of the Middle East has a smart TV in their home. Uh, so they can app play. Only 10%. That number is going to be 100% in the US in 2025. It'll be 20% here. So that's to do with affluency. It's to do with many things. It's to do with the ecosystem. There's no Roku here yet. Things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I really think that that's where we're putting our bets. Um, but we're, we're trying to figure out everything at the same time. We're trying to build IP around Smashy. What does it stand for? What's that media lens? We're trying to build technology, and we're also trying to build content all together at the same time. And you're also an AVOD platform. So is that something that you think will change eventually and go with a more premium or subscriber-based SVOD? Or is that the model that you're... Yeah, I'm glad I don't speak at too many conferences, because I don't know the answer to that. Like Many tech content conferences over the years here put SVOD and AVOD on separate, you know, they talk about them differently. Um, I've just mixed them together, like Smashy subscription and advertising. It's got, you call it freemium or whatever, it's got video clips, you know, we're streaming behind this stage here at the moment, and to watch the stream, you have to go in and pay for it. Or you, are, at the moment, it's free on YouTube. So we're, we're figuring this out. We're, it's about those three elements of, can we make good content? Are we building a media lens that resonates? And any media content company, I think with, I think with content and movies and shows is a little different, but generally, because, I'll tell you why it's different, but generally in media, we're swimming upstream against two big things, tech giants platforms and the creator economy, right? So is there any room for news and media lenses in the middle, right? It's tricky, it's a hard thing to answer. Like if we think of podcasts, the two biggest podcasts in the world, one is um, produces himself, Joe Rogan, and you know, to Spotify's, uh, what's the word? Chagrin. Word, what? Chagrin. Yeah, <laughs> what was that? Sugar. Chagrin, it's a Yiddish word. For, okay, um, okay. To, to their, okay, so to their, the, uh, yeah, chagrin. The, they, they couldn't get rid of him kind of because they weren't making, because he was making the show. But then the second biggest podcast in the world is made by the New York Times. So I think it's just interesting about, about that. But we are going against two things. But the way we see it is you need media. You need something in the middle. If one good podcast on sport won't talk about the other one, so who's, who's going to talk about what they're doing? Doing, right, so I think that's the lens in the middle that we're, that we're trying to do. I like you guys are playing a different game. You're on yeah. Netflix. You're working with the Giants, 30% by 2027. Right. What's the thinking behind that? It's uh, it is a different game. We're we're not really thinking about the actual platform, um, or, you know, or or kind of building a, a tech platform. So we're not having these conversations, whether you know we uh, whether it's subscription or or ad supported. Actually, our we're 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 placing our bets right now on actually. Creating the content, making the films, doing, going more on uh, creating IPs, um, having these these kind of assets. Um, it's just uh, uh, for us that's the direction we go be because we kind of see the potential of everybody coming in. Like you said, you know, um, Netflix uh, is is uh, looking that like they're going to be doing well or dominating. There are some players that are still going to come, so we're going to see a lot of demand, a lot of kind of competition 
on content, and so we want to be the content providers. We want to be the people who actually provide that content for now, and we're good at it. So, you know, we've had a lot of experience with actually engaging with audience, creating good stories, authentic stories that come from the region. That's our strength. So we're, we're, that's kind of what we're focusing on. So our, our bets are on uh, actually creating premium content, long-form content, feature films, um, limited series, that type of stuff. Especially what's, go what's going on with Saudi, with like, there's a lot of folks on actually investing in theaters and exhibitors. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's becoming a huge actually region for the world to kind of look at uh, box office. You know, they they they're looking at maybe uh, about a a billion dollars uh, to become a billion dollar market yeah. by 2024, 2025. That's in a, in a, in a few years. So it's going to be a big market. So that's where we're kind of be, um, making our bets on. And then maybe, on, maybe later on we kind of leverage our digital presence that we built with it and see how we can create a platform. But right now we're really interested in IPs. Yeah, because you were like the renegade boys and girls, right? You were the ones that right. self-distributed, you self-created, you, know, you funded, like, you know, you were going after your own you know, interest, your own funding, your own right. formula. And that's what made Tilfaz the name that it is today, right? Exactly. How is that going to uh, be affected as you kind of now tie yourself closely to, you know, theaters uh, or theater operators like movie, yeah. um, you know, Nef the Netflixes of the world, eventually other potential streaming platforms or even other, uh, you know, free to air or pay TV, whoever's, you know, OSN is launching its OSN studios, right? right? So you have a lot of different players that are all after that Saudi, 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 right? right? So what are you guys doing in that sense and how is it changing your thinking internally? Um, it, it, we're, we're, digital is still important, right? Um, it's, it's the future, so that's not something that we're kind of discounting. It's just we see an opportunity. Like, you know, how we do in Tufaz, we kind of try to be pioneers or trailblaze, um, at least in the area, right? So when we started in 2010, that kind of digital guerrilla style content creating movement was still happening. We kind of let that. We're happy that it, it grew to where, where it is today. But now we see the opportunity in actually creating feature films, limited series, I mean, premium stuff that comes out from the region. And that's kind of where we, we're, we're trying to kind of uh, trailblaze. Um, Digital will always be important, you know. Of course, Richard knows that, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna have that handy. But we want to kind of get uh, uh, you know a stronghold on on content, um, premium content. While we do kind of digital, our uh, the whole model and our whole strategy shifted towards that area. So even our digital content now has become towards the actual industry, the filmmaking industry, that actually um, the uh, the people who love cinema, like the people who kind of kind of go to cinema right? These are the people that we're targeting. So we're making a lot of podcasts and uh, talking with industry people. We're making content about the industry and how films are made, that type of stuff. So we're kind of focusing our all our digital content. We're still there, but it's not. It's less entertainment, more towards building that kind of the community around actually the cinema lovers. I'm going to come back to that because I have a you know I have an interest in understanding where the theatrical window looks like in Saudi. But before we get there, I'm, I'm curious to see your take on specialized uh, VOD models, whether it's AVOD or SVOD or even linear. You know, you're looking at platforms like Crunchyroll, like, uh, you know, uh, Shudder, uh, or even, uh, you know, Deco for LGBTQIA, uh, you know, co uh, content. You have super specialized, or even for, you know, the art house lovers, the cinephiles, Criterion yeah. launched its own VOD. Of course, you know, uh, movie being another one, what uh, what are the opportunities? Are there opportunities? Are we there as a market in the region to create those? You saw a few of them come up during the pandemic, like Aflamuna or like Shasha TV, and 
you know, are, is the, do we have a big enough, you know, content market at the moment to create such specialized subscription windows? Yeah, I think I think to kind of bring the two questions and points together, I think the region has the opportunity to create its own narrative. We don't necessarily have to follow what the US is saying around streaming. You know, this to, about theatrical windows, what, what Warner Brothers or whatever they're called now, what, what they did during the pandemic and now it's changing to 30 days and different things are happening. But to what Telefaz are doing and in Saudi, you know, you can make new rules around distribution and to the same point around niche versus uh, carrier versus where do you put it? Like, I think it, it is sort of up for grabs, but um, definitely, you know, definitely, distribution to think about partnerships is important even if you do a niche platform like curiosity stream or something like that uh, or crunchyroll you know uh, many people won't think that the first thing to do is build direct to consumer whether it's sports right but um, then they realize that it might necessarily work for them and the default like smashy the default is to build an app and to have a subscription but actually you know, we're quite aware of what's happening. We're aware that all the platforms are taking some other streams and putting them on them. Like, I think um, the CEO of Stars Play Arabia said that, uh, don't have the exact figure, but they've signed up 20 to 25 live uh, channels onto their platform in the last year or so, right? Because they never had live streaming. Like, OSN don't do sports anymore. Now the sports is on Stars Play, right? Mm -hmm. So th th there's, a, there's a lot of partnerships having that happening there's a lot of mix happening which again is to the point ip and having that discipline around what your those platforms you mentioned people who would have known of them will know what they stand for because the content is what it is but it doesn't mean that you only get it by going to their platform you can get it anywhere um like some examples wwe the wrestling who who have events in, in saudi as well they were one of the first they launched in 2014 and by a year or two ago, they had a million people paying $10 a month, subscribers. And now they don't do direct to consumer anymore. They sold it to one of the merged things, uh, I think um, Paramount Plus, no, the other one, the one on their Comcast. Uh, right, what's it called? Peacock. Yeah, so Peacock, they sold yeah, it to NBC. them. Yeah, uh, so they sold it to them for, uh, so $10 a month by a million is, uh, is whatever, 100 million a year. They sold it for 200 million, licensed the content annual deal, and Peacock sell their subscription for $7 a month. Right, and then many people will comment and say, oh, Premier League and football rights, they should go direct to consumer, and they might, and then in five years' time, Apple might pay them to take it and put it back. So there's going to be so much of this moving stuff around, which is why I think you, you know, which is why we focus so much on digital, because we don't we don't do events, we don't do merchandise, we don't do anything else, because it's so hard to figure out, and you really need to uh, understand what your IP is, what your content is, what your monetization model is, and make these decisions all the time. So speaking of understanding yourself, I'm going to go back to what you were saying about the, you know, the, the sort of the the investment in building an actual film, you know, culture in Saudi. You're not yeah. just producing content, putting it out there on these platforms. Yeah. You, you know, your first feature film by the brothers uh, Qudus, yeah. uh, Sohaib and Faris Qudus, uh, premiered in the middle of the pandemic, June, uh, July 2020, and clocked in like 100,000 at the box office. It was, you know, it was a huge success, and then went straight to VOD after uh, two weeks release I believe or two three a three week right. release yeah. and went to Netflix you know it lived there 
I'm wondering, you know, with all of this excitement about the Red Sea Film Festival, I was there in December. There's, you know, the moment in the sun for Saudi filmmakers to, to shine, to have a theatrical window. You do have 15 cinemas across Saudi now, uh, and it's growing by, by the end of the year. It's supposed to hit, I think, 45. So we're looking at a huge growth and investment in terms of the box office, in terms of betting on the Saudi box office to make up for lost time. Mm. What, are you, what, what is your take on that? What is the future of theatrical for Saudi? Um, I mean, we see, we see that we see the kind of the investment that's going in. There's a lot of go, there's a lot of government interest in in the kind of space. There's a lot of government interest uh, uh, incentives that are put. They just they, um, last month they announced over a billion, maybe 1.1 billion in actual support in digital content and actual content. So, um, and we're seeing uh, like uh, exhibitors like Movie and uh, and Vox that are actually doing a lot of investment and actually putting up uh, um, um, uh, uh, theaters. But so do you think the audience is gonna follow that investment or are they just gonna leapfrog over the theatrical window and just go where the content is if you continue to you know, release uh, amazing you know, content on the network? Netflixes and the giants. I, I, I mean, Saudi is a very unique place, right? Cinema is new to them, uh, new to everybody. So they're just people are just now like realizing that this could be a part of my my daily entertainment or my weekly entertainment to go to go to go to watch films. Saudis like when they when they traveled, they didn't go. Uh, they had you know they wanted to travel. They went to Bahrain. They came to UAE to go to the cinema. You know that they're 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 movie lovers, and now finally they they have the chance to do it. So it's very unique in a sense that there's a lot of investment, and we see that people are gonna go watch even even if they. Have these subscriptions to uh, uh, video on demand is still a unique experience. I think it's up to the uh, the content or, or the the producers to actually make con uh, films that lends itself to to actual cinema experience. That's different, and, and and then maybe you'll see more of the kind of drama and that type of stuff and and and, and series on on the Netflixes. Uh, to put it into perspective, yeah. we're talking about 283 million dollars in 2021. Yeah. That's a 95 percent increase since 2020. Yeah. So I think the box office in Saudi. He's got a long way to go, and I think you know people are really excited to be back. Yeah. My last question to, to wrap this up is, what is so hard about creating content? Why is it so hard to produce premium content? What is the challenge? Is it hard? Is there infrastructure? Is it censorship? Is it uh, talent? Is it investment and funding? Yeah. Um, first with you, Richard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like any industry. To produce good quality product is hard. You need specialized, you need expertise, but you also need... Uh, you need a commercial industry around it. You need an ecosystem that monetizes. Um, and I think that that isn't something that can be handled. I think that needs to be created. Uh, it's hard, but it's challenging. Uh, you know, I've been thinking lately about Quibi, uh, you know, the one that failed. And I'm thinking, well, did they get the timing wrong? Because it's a very short form year now. And maybe something like that can emerge again in future. That's premium content in a shorter form because it's all about shorts at the moment, you know? So, um, so but yeah, it is hard. Like they, they had billions of dollars or whatever they had and loads of experience and they failed. So it's hard, but, um, but it's, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for me, it's, it's, very, it's very clear, it's talent. Um, it's a nascent, you know, industry in Saudi, so we're still kind of developing that talent. You know, we've been doing it for 10 years and we still feel there's not enough talent out there, especially in, you know, the writers. You know, the production, there's, you know, there has been a production kind of industry, but with writing and actually kind of development, that whole side. Um, 
that's that's very important. The kind of financial side of it. So it's also starting to shape up in Saudi. So the kind of the ecosystem of investment, and you know, we kind of got into that as well. We raised money. So there's a lot of interest in um, actually investing in, in in content and actual like uh, uh, content IPs as assets. So that's and Intel Faz was leading that as well. But really, number one is uh, is talent, and you know it, it it will take time. We'll get there. There are there are actually people who are going to study um, on scholarships, uh, you know, film directing and writing and all that that creative aspects of the filmmaking that's happening. So we're going to see a, a big increase in the next coming years in, in talent. But until then, we're just going to have to kind of, you know, wait and see. Does censorship play any role in the stories that we're able to tell in this region, whether it's documentary, drama, short form? Um, I'm so sorry. That's a big so, question to lead on. If we can <laughs> 30 seconds each because we're a bit out of time, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. It could be a yes or no. Well, we've thought a lot about this with Love in Dubai and I think uh, no is the answer because you just need to understand what's the equivalent of a constitution that dictates censorship in other places, right? What's the equivalent here? And if you can understand that, then no, it's just about respect. Like, are on different levels. Um, I don't think it does. I don't think it... When I said it was hard, I meant more from a... Uh, reaching the audience and the platforms and the fragmentation of media. I didn't mean it... I don't think it's hard from a censorship point of view. I don't... I think, I think yes, but it will, it will be uh, less and less over time. Thank you so much, Richard Fitzgerald, Ala Fad, and Faz 11. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.